Welcome to episode 15 of the Faith Awakens podcast with me, uh, chaplain at St. Ambrose University, Father Tom Hennon, and as I am every week, joined by my co-host... Megan Grady, um, a student at St. Ambrose University, just a lowly student to Father Tom's uh, high school. There's no such thing as a lowly student at St. Ambrose University. If we don't have students, we're not a university, so... Yeah, there you go. Yes, yeah. Um, but I'm not the only student on the podcast. Um, we have my friend Lenny, who will introduce himself right now. Um, how you guys doing? My name is Leonard Jones. Um, I'm a senior here at St. Ambrose. My major is marketing with a minor in philosophy and writing. Um, things I do on campus, I'm the president of the Black Student Union. I'm a member of the track team. Um, I work in the Office of Service Learning. I'm a star for um, orientation this summer. Uh, I do a lot of stuff. Those are the only things I can remember. Yeah, right I mean, that's already a pretty exhaustive, li- exhaustive list there, Leonard. So, yeah, that's yeah. that's awesome. Lenny's actually a distance runner, right? You like to run, like, the 10, 10, <laughs> the 5. Uh, in my dreams. <laughs> I cannot run over 400 meters. If you can give me that. Are you a sprinter? <laughs> yeah, I'm a sprinter. I run the 200 to 400. Okay, okay. Yeah, so definitely not my event, but... Yeah, I think, I think I'd like sprinting more than running distance myself. I think then it'd you just know, be done. All, You're just done. I think so. Yeah. I'm I sure the I'm amount of training and technique, though, that goes into that is... I'm yeah. That's to be fast consistently at that distance is. Oh, I didn't say I was fast. Oh well. <laughs> okay, you're very fast. If I were to walk across the track while you were coming, I'd be I'd be plowed into. I'd be plowed into the next state. Be thrown into. <laughs> He's fast. I have no seen some of the uh, the race walkers that definitely race walk faster than I run. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Anywho, well, Lenny, we are very happy to have you on our podcast this week, and uh, we've been doing this since February. I looked back um, where we once a week do a, a podcast, usually something kind of on the on the topic of, of a lot of times popular culture stuff, obviously the Star Wars reference with our titles. We talk about that a lot. But we also do have to uh, like to have some, some conversations of more substance, and of course, uh, everything happening in the world in recent days and weeks and months has um, has given us a lot to talk about, certainly. So um, I would love to hear from you specifically about um, our Black Student Union and uh, what that club is all about, and um, if you know a little bit more about the history of it. I was actually just over in our conference room here in the Lower Chapel, and I'd seen a sign for an event that Black Student Union hosted back in 1986. So I know it's been around since at least 1986 uh, because it was a, an, a, uh, an event hosted by Black Student Union and the student body, um, and they were hosting a speaker here, James Meredith. Um, so it's been around a while. I know it was certainly around in my student days when I was here in the late 90s. So, um, so maybe start there. Tell us a little bit about Black Student Union and what you do and what you're involved with. So, like you were saying, so the Black Student Union, I believe, was first created in the late 1970s by a group of students and was active until the early 2000s. And then okay. um, I believe Fritz was the second to last president of BSU before it disbanded. 
Yeah. And um reason it disbanded was it just wasn't um I guess there wasn't the amount of students to keep it going. Mm-hmm. And so um what really got the black youth student union running again was um sophomore year uh, summer before my sophomore year, Rich um began working for the university again and my coach, Coach Zion, introduced me to Fritz mm-hmm. and told me how he used to be a part of BSU and everything. And so I, as I was talking to Fritz, telling him who I was, what I do on campus, and then what he did on campus, we decided it would be a good idea to restart the BSU up. And then my sophomore year, that's when it just kind of turned the idea into action, I guess you could say. Yeah. And so um, first year, we didn't have any um, – we didn't have no presidents. We just had four officers with the same amount of power just so mm-hmm. we can have, like, a starting base and so we got something to build off of. Then junior year, um, I was elected president. And then this year, I'm also president again. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, the Black Student Union is um, a safe place for the black students on campus, somewhere to give them a space that you can be surrounded by people who look like you and experience the same difficulties and things that you experience. So it, it kind of just makes it – how do I explain it? It's building that um, space where people can have those conversations. Um, so, of course, being an African-American student in Iowa, you deal with a lot of things that yeah. most people don't deal with. And so it's okay. it's kind of therapeutic to be able to talk to somebody about that and be mm-hmm. able to um, just kind of unwind. Yeah. So that's what we're here for, to be able to unwind for students. Um, that's just one of the many things we do on campus. Um, I'll go by month to make it a little bit easier. Um August, one of the huge kind of events we do is we team up with the Students' Activities Office to host a block party. Yeah. Which is, um, a, nice. I believe it's the, during the first welcome week, and it's just a big block party in front of the WRC where they have, like, different yep. types of games and events and food going on. And so it's just a great way to get out your room. I was also an RA this past year, so I used that. In, oh, and that, that too. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. But That's I use great. that as kind of like a piggyback event to um, get my residents out there yeah. room and everything. It was a great way to kind of start off the semester. And then in September, the BSU hosts um, the homecoming dance. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's kind of just it's, it's what it is, it's kind of self-explanatory. It's a dance that we host, getting people out their rooms again. Um, I'm, last year, I believe, it was pajama things. So I don't know what it will be this year. I don't know what the regulations yeah. are and everything. So we'll figure that out once we get kind of know what we're doing and then in october we do boo grand and so basically we sit in the cap in a whole month of october and we sell boo grams you pay a dollar and then on halloween we deliver the boo grant to whoever you wanted it to be delivered mm-hmm. to and so that's kind of a fundraiser for um the big 12 conference which i'll get to a little bit later um in november december we do kind of so a few more mini fundraisers just to build our account up and everything. Cause like I said, since we started from, um, we started from nothing. Since yeah. There was no BSU. So we kind of got to spend our money wisely so we don't go broke and then yeah. be in the same horrible situation. Yeah. And so once we come back from campus in January, we um, are very involved, of course, with MLK Day, um, Civil yep. Rights Week that happened on campus. So we host different events, um, different seminars and talks to go to and just have conversations. In February, we attend the Big 12 conference, which mm-hmm. is um, – so since we're in the state of Iowa, Iowa State, 
we get to go. So if you're in the state with a Big 12 school, no matter if you're a big school or small school, you get to attend this conference. Oh. And be issues from all across the country. Yeah. So this year we went to Oklahoma. Last year we went to Mizzou. And I okay. believe next year we'll be going to Kent State. Kansas okay. State. Kansas State. Yeah. So um, just the opportunity, it teaches us um, at the conference we learn different leadership skills, different ways to be more impactful on campus and learn how to lead, especially when you are on the PWI and things like that, when you are the minority. Um, and, of course, February is Black History Month, too, so probably some other things going on with that, too. Yeah. Yes, of course, Black History Month. So we do um, – so actually this year we try to have – we try to host an event every week during Black History Month. So I know the first event we had was the Free Food Friday, which mm-hmm. we got – uh, I guess I'll give a sponsorship out to Taste 876. It's a um, jerk chicken place in downtown Davenport. It's a really good place. I advise going there. We got the food, really good prices and everything. And so we had a really good turnout, actually. We hosted at the Multicultural House. Mm-hmm. And then the second week, we had a seminar talk about, um, uh, I can't remember exactly, but I know it was based around um, a racial discussion, of course. Mm-hmm. And then the second to last week in um, February, that's when we went to the conference and we came back. We hosted the Poetry Slam um, mm-hmm. in the last week of um, February. And that was just, um, we actually teamed up with Augustinus BSU, too. And Augustinus BSU came over, and their poetry team came and performed. Nice. Also with a few students from um, Ambrose. And then we had some, I, I, don't believe, I don't remember the name, but they were like soul dancers. So they mm-hmm. put on performance, too. Mm-hmm. And that was just February. Wow, that's <laughs> so a lot in February. <laughs> yeah. And so March... Um, well, I can tell you what we plan to do in March since, you know, with everything going on, yeah. we didn't get to do it. Yeah. So, um, in March, we were supposed to do the another – so, last year, we hosted a unity walk to um, positively compact the um, racial graffitis and everything on campus mm-hmm. and, the, um, and everything that was going on in yeah. WRC, too, so – we was going to do make the Unity Walk an annual thing, so this year we was going to have it again in March and kind of just reinforce the positivity, but, of course, we wasn't able to do it. And then um, I was in February – well, not February, April to May, I was creating this thing called the Black Conscience, and mm-hmm. the Black Conscience was a, um educational seminar basically teaching the Ambrose community on black history, so – it would have been held on Mondays at 3.30, and it only been an hour long. Yeah. And it would every week it would have been a different um, discussion on black history. So the first week was black theology. The next week was African-American women in America. Next week, next week was the crack epidemic um, and its transition to the 1990s. But kind of, that was um, kind of like the music version of it. So it talked about how it impacted the music world and yeah. how – the drugs influenced the music and then how music became so heavily the way it is now. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it would have been a Black Panther Party, Rare Lining in Davenport, and so many other different things. And yeah. um, that would have been just an educational seminar. And then it would have went how the first 30 minutes would have been, or the first 20 minutes would have been um, a presentation led by um, uh, experts. So, for Black Theology, I had plans for Lisa Powell to um, mm-hmm. give a presentation. And so she was going to give a 20-minute presentation. That after that, a 10-minute presentation is given by a student talking about the current impact of this problem. 
and how it's impacting the community today. So Black Theology, how Black Theology is impacting our community today. And it'll be an opportunity to put students in leadership roles and get them in front of people and able to kind of get their um, speech skills up too. Mm-hmm. And then the last 30 minutes would have been, um, I call it our part. And so it was a conversation-based thing where everybody in the room, we just sit and talk mm-hmm. and talk about and, and it's not a time to point people out for the way they think or anything like that, yeah. but mainly just, understand why they think that way and kind of step out of your own shoes to view the world and choose somebody else. So kind of just having that conversation because at the end of the day, we got a lot of, we got a lot of steps to go, but we need to learn how to communicate first before we can do anything because a lot of people don't know how to talk to begin with. I think that's um, really important and especially now, but I mean, you were really, I, what you were planning, um, Mm -hmm. I hope you can continue. I mean, I hope this, we can build on when when we do get back to school here and yeah. and and can get going because those conversations like what you're just mentioning, that's exactly what needs to be happening. As yeah. you know, I would say pretty soon as we get back, and some of those educational opportunities too, even just for like a little hour seminar on this topic or that topic. And I know I was t- talking to Tammy and Lauren here in campus ministry and talking about. Um, our our desire as campus ministry or through Ambrosians for Peace and Justice to be collaborating more with other clubs on campus, including the Black Student Union, because uh, this is not something, uh, if any if anything in the last couple of weeks has been clear to us, this is not something that's just going to kind of flare up, go away, and then we go back to normal. And we it shouldn't go back to normal because normal wasn't right, you know. So we want we want to we want to have a conversation that actually moves things forward. And especially at Ambrose, and we, you know, by by no means are we perfect. As you mentioned from last spring, there were incidences as, as recently as this what was that spring of 2019, I should say, of uh, of racial graffiti and in, in, in places on campus, and some other instances that took place that led to that unity march. Um, so we're not by any means above it. At the same time, we're at a university that has a good history in regard to a lot of this stuff. I was just looking up before. Um, we were going to record for the podcast. I know there's the plaque out front of the chapel, and I couldn't remember the date on it, but it basically is commemorating the fact that the first chapter of the NAACP at a Catholic campus anywhere in the country was at St. Ambrose University in 1947. 1947. Um, so, And then 1958, the Catholic Inter- Interracial League was founded, and that included uh, students uh, and faculty from, from St. Ambrose University. Before that, there was the Catholic Social Action League as well. And then uh, looking at the Pacham and Terrace Award that we've given out, which is an award of the Diocese of Davenport, but always in close collaboration with the university and, and usually sponsored and hosted here. Uh, the, the first year recipient of that in 1964, well, John F. Kennedy received it posthumously, but and then um, the, the 1964 uh, award winner of that was John Howard Griffin, who wrote the book Black Like Me. Um, and if, if I, my history serves me there, he's he's a white man who posed as a black man, which would be controversial in itself these days, but he was doing so as a social experiment, basically, see how he was treated, and then wrote about that experience. So exposing, um, as a white man, uh, to, to, to the world, especially uh, the white world, you know, like, this is how our brothers and sisters are being treated, and I know because that's how I was treated when I presented as this, you know. Um, and then 1965, the year after that, the award was given in person to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. here. So 
yeah, we've got a lot that we can we can kind of pat ourselves on the back with historically in terms of being upfront about a lot of this stuff as a university. But like I say, a long way to go still. And I think a lot of conversations like what you're talking about that need to happen. Um, a question I would have for you, I guess, Lenny, would be coming to St. Ambrose, especially thinking back to your freshman year um, as a black student, what kind of what was your feeling or what was your impression here? Did you feel welcome? Did you feel like, uh, you know, yeah, I'm curious to hear your, your perspective on that. And even today as a senior, after four years, obviously you've stayed here, so that's a good sign, <laughs> you know, that we, we did something right to keep you. Um, but I, I'm just really curious about your impressions of the university as a student. Um, so I can go back as far as um, my first impression senior year. So I come from Chicago, South South Chicago, so I'm, I come from a majority black neighborhood and everything, so I've always been surrounded by people who look like me. So um, I know I've also gave, given a speech about this, too. Um, when I was in from pre-K to eighth grade, I was in the classroom, like I said, with students who looked like me. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I went to high school, I went to a private all-boys high school, which um, I went from, well, it went from 100% people who looked like me to 25%. Wow. And it was yeah. kind of trying to learn how to adjust to that, learn how to interact with different cultures, of course, because I wasn't used to it. I had to educate myself. And so then after that, going from 25% to 2% was a huge, yeah. even more drastic change for me. Um, when I first visited Ambrose, uh, I would say I didn't like it. Um, mm-hmm. It was really, um, I didn't, I'd never been to Iowa before. It was, so mm-hmm. I, I came on an overnight visit. I didn't know anybody. I didn't know what I was looking at. I was so confused and everything. And by the time I left, I told, my, I told my mom I wasn't going there, but she was like, it felt like home to me, so it seemed like you might be going there. So um, <laughs> I had to get so she Mom's instinct was, the, yes, this is the place. <laughs> so she forced me to go on the second um, overnight, and it was actually kind of like a bus trip. And so they picked me up, and when I got picked up, it was a few more of the students from who uh, who stayed around me. And so I got to meet people who lived around me and who's also thinking about going to the same place. Mm-hmm. And that interaction, then going on campus with them and kind of doing, we, I did a lot more with them than I did on my first visit. And it then I kind of felt more in love, in a sense, in love when it felt more at place. Um, once I actually got to Ambrose, um, I don't know. It was, it was a slight adjustment, but since what I've, dealt with in high school it wasn't as major of adjustment mm-hmm. so um how do i explain it yeah. and um, i've had my awkward times and everything that ambrose and things like that for sure mm-hmm. but me personally i learned how to um deal with it but everyone is not kind of like me so i know yeah. everyone's situation is different and everyone's yeah. thinking the mindset is different too yeah uh, I don't know if that technically answers your question. No, that helps. That's good. Meg, jump in here if you got a question. I don't mean to cut you out. Yeah. I was I've been just thinking about um like we kind of talked about how this problem we need to keep talking about it because it isn't going to go away. It hasn't gone away. Um, racism in America and uh white privilege and uh how white people like me need to keep ourselves accountable. Um with doing the work 
And so I just want to like talk to you about maybe the impact that you've seen on social media, because um, like, I know this past week, it's just been flooded. It was awesome. So many people posting so much information and like, I went on there today and that information is kind of dwindling a little bit. So I'm wondering how do we keep this? Like, how do we keep this going? How do we keep having these conversations uh, via social media? So, uh, from my own personal opinion, though, and like I said, I'm different. I'm not a fan of social media. Mm-hmm. Um, I I I understand the support and I like it and I get it, but um, I've come to realize that a lot of support has come from um, just people don't want to seem like they're the only one not saying anything, mm-hmm. and they yeah. kind of feel like um, they need the same thing. Um, I hate, but I, also, I hate to bring up this and. Um, also want to give the opinion of the voice of the black student on campus about this too. But for example, is the um, letter that sister Jones sent out. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of, um, a lot of black students weren't too keen about the message because it felt forced. It didn't feel genuine. Mm-hmm. And it felt like they were just trying to push something that, I think it was called blackout Tuesday just to push something out. Cause yeah. everybody else is saying anything. Everybody else is saying stuff. And then the fact that they also released the, um, the letter at like eight nine p.m. Mm-hmm. when nobody's I don't I've, I've never seen them release a letter at, at that time, especially a Sister Joan letter. But also I know they um reposted it, of course in the morning and everything, but it was just it's not the same impact I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I know a lot of kids felt kind of um, discouraged by that too, but um. I got That's an interesting point about um, with yeah. social media, there there can be a superficiality to that, too. Like, oh, I reposted this or retweeted this or I liked this, so I've done my piece. Like, no, no. <laughs> it's like, so, it's got to uh, go deeper than that. Or, you know. To your question, Megan, though, I would say a way that people can stay involved and stay in help is um, continue those conversations. Like you said, you see it dwindling and you see nobody's talking about it, force those, and it might make, it's going to make people uncomfortable, but you got to force the uncomfortable because that's the only way you can grow, and it's the only way you can make room to grow because you, yeah. never, you, you never grow standing in the same place, thinking the same thing or doing the same thing. You either move forward or you move backwards, but you never stay in the same place. Yeah. And so right. I believe the best way is how, right now, the best way is communication. Mm-hmm. Then mm-hmm. once we get the communication part, then we think about the next step. Because at the end of the day, once if we we're gonna have once we continuously have people button heads and button heads, we've had people butt heads for the last hundred years or so. Mm-hmm. And they're gonna constantly yeah. butt heads. It's just we're not gonna get to a certain. We have to get to a certain point. We have some sort of understanding. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, that does. And I think I think people, like you said, I think people are like. Oh no, look at me. I'm I'm reading, I'm educating and posting this stuff. And I think that's great, but are you reading through the full post? Are you getting something from it and not just posting it, you know? Yeah. Um yeah, it's what you do behind like when you put your phone down. What are you doing when you put your phone down? Are you doing work that's not being broadcast to your t- like entire followers? I think yeah. But that was that was a good response. Yeah. No. Hey, I've been thinking about the that. The danger of social media too is it- it does provide a platform for people to say some pretty dumb things too. <laughs> I mean, and some pretty, 
misinformed things or, you know, or intentionally misinforming kind of things, you know. So that's, I mean, that's the double-edged sword of, of you know, um, freedom of speech and some of those kind of things is that it's going to allow, it's going to give people a platform, uh, unfortunately, to say some things that are not good either. But, I'd, and of course, you know, my instinct for, you know, how to keep that conversation going, especially as we look to whenever and however we return to campus is, you know, I want to have like a big forum. I want to have a lot of people in a big room. And t- and then I'm like, oh, wait a second, are we going to be able to even do that, you know, um, in these circumstances? So how do we, how do we facilitate those conversations, you know, about this um, going forward? I think a lot of it's going to have to be in smaller circles, you know, in the residence halls, uh, on the floors, um, you know, smaller events, but more more of them happening everywhere, you know, where this is kind of a, a topic. I was even thinking of, you know, I know some universities have had like a common book that they would read at the beginning of a year or something like that that they would push. And, and I was listening to the radio and they were talking, and I had read it years ago, but Ralph Ellison's um, Invisible Man which is a really important work uh, in terms of the experience of, of a black man in America. And I was thinking, boy, that'd be a great classic for the whole campus to pick up and have some conversations about that, you know, um, at the beginning of the year. But maybe those kind of those kind of things, I think, are going to be what moves the conversation forward. But it's got to keep going. I yeah. definitely agree. But I will say just from my own personal experience, too, at Ambrose, I realized the more you – and this, I don't know if it's the culture, but mm-hmm. the more you push it, the more you receive resistance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, and some people, and I've come to acknowledge this, and I've come to realize this too, is some people who don't want to be educated. And some mm-hmm. people who want to just think the way they think and don't want to change their mindset because it's all they know. And yeah. I, you can't force somebody, you can't force somebody to uh, learn yeah. knowledge if they don't want to. You yeah. Gotta, try to give it to them if they don't want it, then you got to move on to the next person and take, give it to the people that do want it. So yeah. I know I've yeah. dealt with a lot of situations where we've had, we've been having talks on Ambrose, at, at Ambrose for a long time mm-hmm. and nobody would show up. Yeah. It would just be the mm-hmm. same people over and over and over again talk, yeah. having the same conversation. And it's, it's good conversation too, but it's just, imagine how much better conversation you could have if more people were active, yeah. more people actually cared. Like I like I said, going back to the social media thing, I get it, but it, it's it's I believe it's just a mask. Mm. Um, yeah. So people don't get judged. People don't feel like I said before outcast, or people don't get hey, you didn't post anything, so you must feel this type of way. Yeah. I, I think that's a horrible thing too. You shouldn't force anybody to change things because if you force something, you can say the wrong words, and then that just goes into a whole different yeah. situation. You gotta say things mm-hmm. when you're ready. So it's kind of mm-hmm. so much pressure going on from so many different places, and people just don't know how to make the right decision, and it's hard. Yeah, I, I do think, too, that you're right about the not forcing it because that can sometimes push people further away, but providing as many opportunities as we can. And that's where I think maybe collaborating between different clubs or different departments on campus because they each they have a particular audience that they can draw in, you know. Um, otherwise we end up just kind of siloed and, uh, it's this group of people that always go to the black student union stuff. It's this pe- group of people that always goes to the Ambrosians for peace and justice stuff. It's, uh, this group of people that always goes to, you know, the women and gender studies stuff and somehow doing more kind of collaborative things between those different groups, uh, might, might draw more. But I think just naturally given the nature of, of the events in our world in recent weeks, I think for black student union and the events that you're going to 
hopefully be planning for the fall, you can expect more people to be showing up and more people of of uh, different colors, <laughs> honestly, that are wanting to have this this conversation across the board, you know. Yeah, I went to I the think... rally over last Friday over at Vandy Vanderveer, and of course they're seeing this all over the country too, where um, they're seeing a lot of diversity at those rallies, which is good. That's that's a good sign. Yeah, and I Meg? think I think just like uh, I think people like are afraid to be wrong, are afraid to be called out, you mm-hmm. know, for stuff. But I'm like, I feel like in order to grow. Yeah. Um, you need to be called out on that stuff and you need to learn from that stuff instead of um, being defensive. Because I think that's, mm-hmm. that's a lot of people, they get defensive and they get scared and they're like, Oh my gosh, I didn't mean to say that. And then it's just like anger, uh, which I can relate to. I mean, I hate being called out when I'm wrong. Um, I'm going to be a teacher and I've been called out like by students in class before. It's embarrassing. But like, with these talks, it's like you just need to grow from that. You need to be called out and learn and educate yourself. That's what educating yourself is, learning from your past, your mistakes. Like, yeah. Anyway, that was. So to go off that, so we plan on, well, I plan on having the um, the black conscious in the fall. Like yeah. I said, I haven't really prepared, prepared yet until we get like a. a full so we know what we're doing. Yeah. 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 So what my plan is, I plan on, um, especially with social distancing, I plan on holding it in Rogo Ballroom, but um, planning with Sophia and finding a way to mm-hmm. set it up so people can be away from each other. But I'm also been, I've also been working with um, Paul Cook very closely on this, okay. and then also the Coke John Foundation mm-hmm. and their um, great support system when it comes to this stuff too. And I've also, so my mindset and everything too when it comes to this, that's the reason I've been using um, – professors because professors teach classes and say that professor offers extra credit to their students to go to this and that's even more students in there say if they students actually show up and the students like it yeah and yeah. they wouldn't show up unless the professor offers some type of yeah. incentive and so that's why i'm also trying to work with um faculty and staff too to see if there's some type of incentive they can get to for this um some way to make people want to come because yeah i think that i know people people oh wow we're going to talk about race again. Like, I'm tired of talking. That's just how people feel. And mm-hmm. so if you give them something like a cookie for them to follow on or something like that, then more people will come at the end of the day. Sometimes yeah. a person might go to an event for one reason, but stay for another reason, you know. Yeah. They might go to something like this because, okay, I'm getting some little extra credit. But then they learn something there, and it's like, this is important, and I need to be here, and I need to do more stuff like this. And we do that all the time with campus ministry stuff, you know, where, yeah, okay, yeah, we have snacks after stuff because we know college students will eat everything, you know. So food, you know, have food. They come maybe for the food, but maybe they meet somebody there and have a meaningful friendship that blossoms from that. Or they actually hear something in the message that we're sending out, and they think this is nourishing, and I need this, and I want to do this more. So, yeah, whatever you got to do. But But I will say I am happy because – at the end of the day, this is a problem that we've been talking about at Ambrose for a long time, and I'm happy that people are finally deciding, some people are finally deciding to remove the blinds in front of their eyes yeah. and kind of see what the real world is. At the end of the day, I don't know if people want to accept it either, but the real world is an evil, scary place in a sense, and it's a lot of bad things that happen. But it don't mean you ignore the bad things to push it away and act like it don't exist. you got to yeah. confront it because, like I said, like we said before, that's it. 
that's the only way you can grow, and that's the only way you can help people dealing with this stuff if you actually understand the thinking behind it, the everything that applies to why it's happening, who it's happening to, what it's happening for, then you get a better understanding. Like, it all goes back to stepping out of your own shoes and viewing the world in somebody else's perspective. Yeah. Our our biggest enemy is complacency about this kind of stuff, and 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 so it's it's on us individuals and as a university to not slip into that, but keep the pressure on and and keep the conversation going. So, yeah, Lenny, it has been great to have you on. Um, I think we have just a few more minutes. I think we can do this. Um, so, on a lighter note, just kind of goofing off here, uh, I had looked up. The, the three general kind of categories of Jedi Knights. Um, so we need to decide for ourselves uh, which we would kind of gravitate toward and, if possible, uh, what color lightsaber you would want. So, um, so the, the, the first and probably the, 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 the one that most people identify with or, or at least can point out, oh, yeah, uh, these characters in the Star Wars universe are this, the Jedi Guardian, who is uh, one whose skills and talents lay in battle. Um, guardians often concentrate on martial training, usually, usually engage in combat more than other Jedi, though they are no less skilled at diplomacy. Like all Jedi, they are keepers of the peace. Guardians have traditionally wielded blue lightsabers, though this isn't a set rule. Okay, so there's your Jedi Guardian. The Jedi Consular uh, is also skilled in battle, but rarely enters combat, preferring to study the mysteries of the Force. Consulars are the primary scholars and diplomats and seers of the Order, often becoming instructors. Uh, they generally achieve their goal through words or the force. They rarely, uh, rarely buy the lightsaber. Traditionally, they wield a green lightsaber, but like all Jedi, they were free to choose their own color blade. And then finally, the Jedi Sentinel, who is kind of a balance between the two, have both adequate combat skills and extensive knowledge of the force. Uh, traditional color of their lightsaber was yellow, uh, but like above all types, it was not a requirement. Um, they'd have the strengths of the consular and the strengths of the guardian, but also kind of avoid the weaknesses of both of those. Um, there's not really too many Jedi Sentinels that you can point to in the Star Wars universe and say, oh, that person was a Jedi Sentinel. Jedi Guardians, uh, those are your, your more fighty types. That's your Obi-Wan Kenobis and, and uh, um, probably your Mace Windu and uh, Anakin Skywalker before he goes bad. Jedi Consulars, that's your Yoda and your Qui-Gon Jinn. Okay, so really quickly, which of those three would you gravitate toward, the Guardian, the Consular, or the Sentinel? Oh, uh, <laughs> I would probably say the Sentinel. The Sentinel, uh, kind of a balance of both. Yeah, because you need. <laughs> I don't know. It just sounds like the best of both worlds. Yeah, I can. I can see that. And you got the power to protect yourself. Yeah. Okay. What color lightsaber? <laughs> I guess I'd take the yellow one. Okay, that's the traditional one for the Sentinel. So there you go. I guess. Megan, yeah, what I about you? Know. Oh, I really want to be both, like the Sentinel. I want to be both, but I feel like deep down, I am just like a counselor, and not, and, and like just because I can't fight, I'm not good with confrontation. Yeah. Um, I'm awkward. I trip over like flat ground. I don't think I would be reliable in battle. Um, I think I can use my words, but I'd like to like be the last resort do diplomacy, maybe just like stand in the background and just give a thumbs up to whoever's talking. So I think that would be it. And then I would have like a blue lightsaber, I think. Okay. Uh, I 
Well, they look good with blue. So, that's so it's more of a, an aesthetic choice more than a symbolic yeah. choice. Okay. Uh, I realistically, as I read those descriptions, I know I probably fall more in the consular side of things. But when I think of the Star Wars universe or anything kind of fantasy, and you imagine, like, what would I want to be? Someone other than myself a little bit, you know, I'm probably going more toward the Guardian because that's not naturally who I am. But that is kind of who I heroize, right, in, in a lot of these these movies and things like that. Like, yeah, I want to be like Obi-Wan Kenobi. So, um, but I, you know, I'll prob- I probably would lean still more toward Consular since that really is closer to who I am. And, yeah, I got to go with the green lightsaber. Who can go wrong with that? You know, Yoda had a green lightsaber. That's cool. So it's it's funny because Lenny and I probably just have like when you asked this question, that was probably the first time we've ever thought about this. But Connor, Tom, <laughs> I feel like we think about this a lot. Um, this maybe, is- maybe, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe a little too much. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Well. Everybody's just trying to get back to when they're ten years old. Tell you what. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Lenny, good to have you on. And um, seriously, let's uh, let's keep the conversation going. And especially, I'd love to talk with you about um, things that campus ministry or Ambrosians for Peace and Justice can do to help with that in the fall. And um, blessings to you and your family and the rest of this summer. And we'll wait and see what happens for when we start and how we start as a university again. So, yeah, no thanks, problem. Lenny. Thank you for having me. Great. Good to have you on. All right, Meg, bring us home. Oh, may the faith be with you. And with your spirit. Okay.